Welcome to the Envision Together, Going to Our Next Level of Best podcast. I'm your host, Pamela Mashana. Join me on this bi-weekly journey of empowerment, where you'll hear hands-on advice from lifestyle experts, educators, authors, spiritual leaders, and many more who will share tips on how to triumph personally, professionally, and spiritually. We explore timely topics such as overcoming anxiety and fear, educating the reluctant student, cultivating lasting relationships, and strengthening our faith. My hope is that the insights offered on the show will help us envision ourselves using our unique gifts and talents on greater levels for greater purposes. Welcome to Envision Together, going to our next level of best podcast. I'm just elated to be interviewing someone who has reached high levels of success in education, and I had the opportunity to mentor her as a new teacher. If it sounds like I'm trying to take credit, well, I am. <laughs> With that said, I'm just having a bit of fun. I know that her achievements have everything to do with her own unique abilities. So here's her bio. Camille Ramos Bill, EDD, was born in the Philippines and immigrated to the U.S. when she was eight. She taught abroad in the U.K. prior to her work in Pomona Unified. She has been in Pomona Unified for 16 years as a middle school and high school English teacher, ELD teacher, French teacher, PBL curriculum developer, academy director, AP, and is beginning her eighth year as principal. But this year, she begins her first year at another high school academy. She also works as a program director for Western University of Health Sciences to support the health career pipeline. She is passionate about equity, access and opportunity for students to secure a promising future. I'm so excited to pick your brain by asking questions that I drafted, some in collaboration with parents of school-age children. Please tell us how the roles you've played in education has given shape to who you are today, professionally and personally. I think in all of the uh, teaching experiences and all of these experiences, just kind of learn about how much there's a need, not just for people who want to share content, but for people who want to connect with children. My work um, when I was teaching in the UK in a nursery school, and it it doesn't quite translate because I I was originally an elementary ed credential. And so when I was, uh, when I got my teaching job in London, they said nursery school. Well, it ended up nursery school there is more like, um, uh, two to three, like preschool aged uh, children. And it was for a social services nursery. And it really was like the neediest communities within within the area. And so whether there or whether in my time in Pomona or even my own education, um, growing up in, in Pasadena, like, you know, what was most meaningful were the connections that we made with adults that motivated us to keep going. And so that's really what I enjoy most about our work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what has given shape to who I am today professionally and personally is, you know, making sure that we have equity at the forefront of our minds, seeing the social strata, seeing the financial 
resources or a lack thereof and how that impacts um, students and opportunities. So that's really what drives me. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. And I have to say that you are echoing all of my guests because we all know as educators, relationships, that's the foundation of everything. I just hope that that point is really coming across as parents listen, as educators listen, slow down. Educators is so important to make that personal connection with students. Speaking from the chair that you sit in now, what is the most important teaching and learning issue of today that's not necessarily pandemic related? So although it's not necessarily pandemic related, actually, I do think it is. um, I think the most important issue in education today is relationships and connections. Mm. Uh, Pre-pandemic, that was something that we were focusing on already. We know that is the linchpin of of learning. Students Mm. can't learn if they have other things going on, right? You can't get to the, you got to get to the heart before you get to the mind. Um, And so we know that that's even more critical now with all of with all of the trauma and challenges. So we know this generation of digital natives, Mm -hmm. right, are in need of social connection. So I just came back from a conference that said, um, they they showed some graphs of three data points that I thought were really interesting, that this generation of 18-year-olds have the least number of students with driver's licenses at this time. Mm The le- compared to other generations, the least number of with that have jobs mm-hmm. and the least number that have gone on on, an, on a date in high school. And so you just think of like the kinds of connections we're making, the kind of the quality, the quality of interactions that we have. And if students don't have that opportunity on the day to day and how do we model that? How do we model those kinds of relationships? How do we build in that that those opportunities to build their yeah their social skills and their EQ, their emotional mm. intelligence? Yes. So yeah. Wow, that's so important. Thanks for sharing that, and thanks for giving us that recent data. Do you think that diversity and inclusion methodologies are important? Why or why not? Yes, absolutely. You know, we have to make efforts. Right. Equity means more than what you would do for your average student. Mm -hmm. Right. How do you get exactly what a student needs in order to be successful? And so if we don't take those extra steps, how can we expect for students to to achieve the levels that they need to achieve? What are some of the ways that you've seen teachers meet those needs of diversity and inclusion? I think it starts, so a couple of things. So, you know, I'm still learning, right? But part of it is, you know, how do we hear about like culturally responsive teaching? um, But what does that actually look like? You know, it's not just what we give to the students, but rather what we can learn from them too. Mm. So this past year during the pandemic, with all of the the challenges during COVID, the racial tensions, um, and just a lot of like the political tensions and the, the hateful rhetoric that was out there, we joined up with uh, Professor Dr. Kirkwood to take our, our, our staff, you know, our whole staff through equity literacy work because, you know, and, and how do we look at our students from an asset-based perspective 
And, um, and taking that approach, you're looking at, okay, each child has a strength rather than a deficit, rather than imposing my context and structure of what I expect education to be, because that's how I learned. How do we look at that as a, a strength that we can build upon? So I, I would say that would be a, a way to build diversity and inclusion so that we're not constantly penalizing and say we adjust because you don't have this versus we build and we highlight because you do have this. So, um, for example, you know, what are even something as easy as project-based learning um, unit that teachers have done where they ask students to think about something that they're passionate about, um, a social cause that they would like to highlight, and then choosing out, you know, a product or a way of sharing that, that cause with the world. And it's building to the students' strengths rather than an, a unilateral expectation from the teacher. And if you get it, you get it. And if you don't, you don't. I'm not quite sure if that's making sense. Like, No, it does. I love your answer. And I think that, first of all, it's so on target with what diversity and inclusion is all about. But it also complements what this show is about. This show is about recognizing that we all have a treasure inside of us. And by sharing, discovering and sharing our treasure, we can help each other go to our next level of best. And you're talking about doing that within the school system, within the classroom. And some of my previous guests spoke to us doing that in terms of building as from the position of an administrator or teacher leader, giving that even to adult audiences to then inspire them to take that into the classroom. So I love your answer and it makes complete sense. <laughs> yeah. But, and and it just, thank you for the affirmation. Just, you know, but it, it does have to start with our individual mindset mm-hmm. does, and um, to, to create those opportunities. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you. What advice can you give parents about what they should do when they receive their child's state exam or district-wide assessment results and their child is basic or below? So there's two, two parts, I think, to this question. One, while there are metrics that we are accountable to as educators and that students are uh, normatively compared, one, the nuts and bolts, the business side of it would be like, okay, so what do I need to learn about where my child's growth points are? You know, first let's celebrate what are my, do I understand based on the score what my child's strengths are? Why don't we start by celebrating what are yeah. my child's strengths? Right. And then the, the 1B of that would be, okay, so now that we've celebrated, understood what the strengths are, so then what might my, my child's needs be? And what resources are available to me to help, you know, get that uh, support for my student to advance in those areas. So that's one one part. But then the other part might also be like going back to the celebrations and understanding like this is a very limited scope of measurement. Am I as a parent also aware of the other talents that my child has? that may or may not be measured at schools, may or may not be as, as focused yeah. on and used, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, what about those, you know, are there, do I need an, an assessment? Maybe, you know, if, if I'm interested, if the parent's interested, like, how do you measure 
the strengths that they have in terms of building connections, the strengths that they have in terms of musicality, the strengths that they have with spatial awareness, et cetera. Like there's not, yeah, we focus a lot on, on standardized tests and it's important. It really, yes, I, I, I wouldn't doubt. And we know, we know as educators that there's different stages of developmental readiness. I didn't really take to learning at an early age, but Mm -hmm. then it took off for me and, you know, I was full speed ahead, Mm -hmm. but it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Mm -hmm. If your kid is not quite there yet, Mm -hmm. but do all the things to support them, but don't freak out Mm -hmm. if they're not there. What do you wish you had known about the school system while you were still a student? How do you think having that knowledge early on might have shaped your choice of career or impact your overall life? Well, I think I still would have made the same career choice. You know, it was through the connection with my high school counselor Hmm. um, and a couple of really key teachers that I knew when I graduated from high school, I was going to become a teacher. So I think that, you know, helping people and and connecting with others and love of learning would have just guided me to that path anyway. Um, But I think that what I wish I would have known is just how, if someone had explicitly taught me how important decision-making around your relationships um, and habits of mind, you know, I think that we, it gets we get so in, in going back to the question about like tests and everything and, and an informative assessment, it's like, yes, we have this focus on content and learning and metrics, you know, no one's going to ask you exactly what happened. And on this day and you know what I mean? Uh, content specific questions, but really it's about finding patterns and learning how to navigate and looking for key people it's it's really how I wish I would have known how to navigate the system um, earlier on and how to, you know, who to ask for help, you know, what is the purpose and, and role of each person. Not being an educator, I understand all the supports and what that means. But for parents, I think it's important that they know who, what the roles are in the schools of the staff there and how they can be leveraged to get support for their students. And then as a parent too, teaching my children about the kinds of relationship and the, so like the, the friends that I made, those kinds of choices throughout life will be really key in either getting you ahead or, or slowing you down. Not because you're trying to use people or what right. can get out of people, but just, you know, people will either lift you up, will encourage you, will guide you, or they will not. Right. <laughs> and you know what? It's not using people. It's, Again, what we're trying to do today, we're trying to help each other go to our next level of best. So connect with the people who can help you get that done, but you're also willing to play a role in helping them get to their next level of best. But you said another important thing that reminds me of some of my conversations with the other educators that I've interviewed. You're talking about a knowledge base that we have as educators. And I can just hear parents saying, but how am I supposed to know that? So we were saying in previous interviews that it's so important to engage with school. So I think sometimes parents don't realize how important it is to 
no matter what, get to those school meetings, get the information. That's how you learn. Right. And it's not just like, okay, I got the information. It's kind of like, even if like an example would be if a, if a counselors had a FAFSA night or a college scholarships night, that's just basal information. That's kind of like a commercial, an extended commercial of like an hour. And then if, even if you go there, it's like, you're not even going to get the best information until I would say you have that one-on-one with a counselor as a follow-up. It's, you know, and I think that's, that was, I think, honestly, that's what really helped me when I, I was not the the best student in high school. (laughs) I wasn't either. So I know that I got through, well, yeah, there was some effort there, but because I was agreeable, I smiled and I had really good friends, you know? Um, and they, they kind of helped me through. And so while that's helpful, what really, you know, on the, the perception of the teacher, what really helped me too was the pulling up, you know, somebody reaching out to me and helping me and pull me right. up. And that was the role that the counselor played in my life. And so, and how did that happen? It was through those connections. It was because, you know, my mom would call or um, she would ask questions I love working in academy schools because you really get to know the families. It's like, you know, I tell, I tell the parents, it's like, I want you to feel comfortable sending your children to our school, feeling like my friend is taking care of my kid, mm-hmm. you know, that personal connection. And when you have that level of that depth of relationship, then you know, okay, they're going to look out, not just because check, check, I complied with these activities that we're supposed to have every year, but because I know you, because I care about yeah. you. I'm going to really do right by you. Right. I love the way you elaborated on that. I think that's going to be really helpful for parents to hear. Is a college education today as important as it was 30 years ago? I think that there's a balance. You know, the reality is it's our system and the system all over the world is hierarchical, right? People, depending on like in the business world, you know, you got to have your degree or MBA, et cetera. And you go anywhere in the world. When you're a scientist, you have to achieve a, a certain level of education and expertise. Mm-hmm. So to some extent, yes, absolutely. Um, and I know I've benefited from opportunities because of education, right? I couldn't have become a teacher if I didn't have my credential. And you want to make sure I have my credential, right? But I say the word balance because there's also a lot of skills out there and for, as an academy, uh, previously, as I was at the Academy of Health Science, I'm actually over both schools now, but. Um, Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. And we can talk about that offline later, but, um, <laughs> you know, supporting a career pathway, it's really important to build in those entry points, yeah. right? Those entry points to connect with a career pathway. So trade schools are also very important. Learning on the job is also very important. Last night, we had a gentleman who came and fixed our garage door at 9 p.m. You don't need a college degree, but that's essential. So all of these trades and all of these opportunities and- That will help them actually go into business for themselves. Right. And, you know, you think about, you know, we keep hearing, you know, the jobs of tomorrow have not even been created yet. They will evolve on the job over time, right? And so I think it's going to have to be a balance, but what I think is going to be most important, you know, we don't want to push parents to just say college degree, college, 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 or trade, 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 trade. 
again, like access and opportunity. We want to make sure that all children can say, okay, if I want to go this way, I can because I did the coursework to be able to qualify for college. Or if I want to pursue a trade, okay, I can do that too. We just don't want to limit. We don't want to limit the students. Absolutely. Thank you. Based on what you've observed over the many years you've been an educator, what do you know for sure that every parent needs to do for their child before they start school, preschool, kindergarten level? Well, as you know, I'm a newer parent. I just have my one and only, my four-year-old boy. Um, And so I'm still learning. But something that's definitely in the game plan what I'm sure that every parent needs to do, for, and I'm saying speaking for myself, my opinion is to work on positive discipline mm-hmm. and habits of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how do we build? Un- unpack that. Habits of mind. Habits of mind. Like what are these pieces? How do we build self-directedness? What kinds of conversations? It's like, it's like coaching. How do we coach our kids to be able to think through and reflect um, and make good choices. And you can't start early enough. And I know I struggle with that. You know, it's it's a very different construct than how I grew up. <laughs> My parents were not having, you know, reflective questions with me. You know, there's research behind it. And so I, while I'm not as versed in it, that's definitely something that I'm going to pursue uh, because I, I want my son to be able to think through his choices and to be able to understand that he, within his world, there he does have power. He does have power over the decisions that he's making. And I want him to understand, you know, the consequences, positive and negative of the choices that he's making. So that's so empowering. It's going to build his confidence level. It's even introducing him to critical thinking. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. So thanks for sharing that with everyone who's listening. That's powerful information. And now, so the audience is hearing firsthand what an educator who has been in the game for 16 years is doing with her own child to prepare them to enter school on the preschool, kindergarten level. So powerful, powerful. What's your advice to parents who find it difficult because of work or illness uh, or some other reason uh, to engage with their child's school through PTA, parent-teacher conference, assemblies, et cetera? Um, You know, I think that, again, what the pandemic has taught us was how to leverage multiple media to connect with parents. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, all of those technology, whether through Remind Texts, regular texts, phone calls, Zoom meetings, pop-up visits, whatever that may be. My advice would be, you know, because schools are aching to connect with families, you know, take advantage of that because schools will demonstrate flexibility, even if they just want to send a text, even if they just want to send an email, get your hands on what you can and communicate. And, you know, whenever you have a minute, it doesn't take that long. You know, I have parents texting. Um, and even if you text a million times, no one's going to, you know, we're going to be happy for it. So that would be my advice is just leverage the technology. Um, I think we actually had some of the highest participation rates on the coffee with the principals during COVID, during the pandemic, because so many people were able to zoom in from wherever they were. Mm. So, Excellent. 
What one gem would you share with parents to help their kids achieve the same level of success that you expect from your child's performance in school? I'm going to answer that from the perspective of a student from what I remember, you know, again, because I wasn't necessarily the best student, Mm -hmm. but I think what has helped me get to where I am today was the consistent support that no matter what mistakes I made, no matter what hardships I was encountering, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm very close with my mom. So she was just always there for me. Um, not to say I have to, she has, she gave into everything that I wanted, not to say she was like here, yes, to everything. No, it wasn't right. like that, but just continuing to stay connected, um, continuing to, she made me feel that no matter what I did, she was going to be there for me. And she just continued to encourage me. And so, you know, it's not always going to be up, but because I knew she was there, you know, that was not you know, that, that emotional part was taken care of and I was able to figure it out as I, as I grew, as I matured, as my, as my brain developed. Mm -hmm. But I think that would be my gem is just continue to love on, on our kids, continue to stay connected with them and communicate with them. Great, great advice. You're speaking to an emotional connection, trust. I love it you had space to, to grow and figure things out uh, and knowing that unconditional love was there and that helped you stay steady. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> thanks for sharing your wonderful One Gym with my audience. And thanks so much for being a guest on Envision Together, going to our next level of best. I am just so thrilled, so happy that when I called you, you just readily said, yes, (laughs) that's an encouragement to me. And I value you. And I thank you for showing that you value me and what I'm doing and wanting to help our parents and the community. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Well, friends, thanks for joining me for another episode of the Envision Together, going to our next level of best podcast. I hope today's topic inspired you to envision a brighter future getting to your next level of best and to urge others to reach theirs as well. If you are encouraged by today's episode, subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Also, please write a review. It will help me to reach a wider audience with a message of hope and inspiration. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and share your thoughts about today's episode. Until next time, envision the future you want to see.